see some things real you didn't know were real. You come to grips with things in camp meeting you don't come to grips with in your church. And you may be in a church where they don't say amen or raise their hand or get excited about anything but getting out. And I'm not critical of that. I'm just saying when you come to camp meeting, this is not a regular church service. The question arises, is it proper to get excited? Is it proper to shout? Do a study on it. I did a study on shouting, rejoicing, glad, praise, all those words. I wanted to see if it was proper to praise the Lord, shout, and have a good time in the Lord. I found that it is, ladies and gentlemen. But when I shout, don't bring me a Pentecostal. I shouting a long time. Baptists were shouting a long time before the Pentecostals ever came along. And see, I'm not criticizing anybody else. I'm just trying to get you to relax. Amen. Have a good time. We're, hey, we're not going to hurt you. Brother Rob last night and Brother Greg, they're not going to hurt you. I've seen Brother Rob take his coat and whirl it around like a helicopter. But he never did hit anybody. He's come close to a few times. If I was in his area, I'd probably move over a pew or two. And if, you, if you missed Brother Greg's statement last night about, you may not, but let me. The psalmist said, let us praise the Lord. The problem in some places, they won't let you. But he will let you. God will let you. Now let me say one other thing. There are those who would say, well, if you can shout at camp meeting, you can shout anywhere. Now that sounds good, but that's not necessarily true. And the reason being, you've got more liberty here and freedom here than you have in church situations. If you're in a church who knows the doctrines and knows the truth, the Spirit is in control, they've been taught properly, you have liberty and freedom, the Spirit is conducive to praising the Lord. You may get in a church service where they haven't been taught, they don't know, and you don't have the liberty to shout, and you're shouting may injure the situation rather than help it. So I hear someone say, well, you're hypocritical if you shout at camp meeting and don't shout at church. You've got liberty to shout here. You've got liberty to praise the Lord here. Take advantage of it. You might need it when you go back home. <laughs> That's when someone sees Maybe a church member here or a preacher here and say, well, boy, they shouted there, but I don't ever see them shout back at home. The reason being, they don't have liberty to shout back at home. But they do here. So, if this is your first time, we've been doing this for, what, Brother Jim, 18 years. <laughs> They've been doing it longer than that, but I've been doing it 18 years. Hadn't hurt me a lick. <laughs> Hadn't hurt me a bit. I come here planning to have a good time in the Lord. This is our time. This is our crowd. This is our soldiers. This is our people. We didn't come here to cut you apart. We came here to praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, that's enough said. All right, turn over to the book of Ruth. Chapter 3. The book of Ruth, chapter 3. In your outline on page 10... 
we're considering Ruth at Boaz's feet. Now, we've seen Ruth the foreigner, a stranger. We saw her in Boaz's field. We studied how she was a Moabitist, a stranger in Bethlehem, a foreigner and an alien to the covenants of God and promises. Now, she's been a wanderer. She came out of Moab. She's in Bethlehem. She comes to the field of Boaz. She's still a stranger. She's seeking grace, as we saw in chapter 2. When she receives grace from Boaz, she says, Why do you look upon me in grace? Why have you considered me? I'm still a stranger and a foreigner. Well, in chapter number 3, verse 1, the Scripture said, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Look at your outline. Under number A, Naomi's pursuit for Ruth. Naomi is seeking for Ruth to have rest. She's looking for rest for Ruth. Ruth is not just looking for rest. Naomi's seeking rest for her. We've illustrated Ruth, our Naomi, as the Holy Spirit, imperfect as she is. She's still the one who brought Ruth out of Moab into the field of Boaz. Well, here Naomi pursues rest for Ruth. The word for rest means contentment and tranquility. Its major translation, though, it means a settled place or settled condition. That Naomi desires that the Moabitist would have an abiding place, but enter into a settled state of rest, to where she's no longer a stranger and pilgrim. Now, my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is how do you have rest? How does the sinner obtain rest? How does he know rest? There's not but one way. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 says that they that have believed have entered into rest. In other words, what Naomi is saying, I want to find you a settled condition. Now, the word settled means an orderly arrangement. I hope I can get this out like I want to. It means to be free of all disturbances. However, the, the, the central theme means to have a settled, undisturbed condition. It's like you before you got saved. Do you remember how restless you were before you got saved? Wondering, unsettled, and disturbed in your mind? You didn't have any peace. You didn't have any joy. You weren't settled. And ladies and gentlemen, I see a lot of folks now who are not settled. They don't have any rest. They're disturbed about their eternal state. They don't know whether they're going to heaven or to hell. They hope they are. i got good news for you. The Holy Ghost of God can bring you to the Redeemer so you can have rest. You'll never have rest outside the Redeemer. You'll never have rest until the Holy Ghost leads you to Boaz, until he leads you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Naomi said, I'll find rest for you. I can hear the Holy Ghost say, Charles, I'll find rest for you. When you believe on the Redeemer, you'll have rest. I didn't know that at the time. I was so restless, disturbed, didn't know about order. Remember, this means an orderly arrangement. Chapter number 3 deals with the order in approaching Boaz. 
Now, let me tell you what the issue is in this day. The issue in this day is, how do you get sinners out of Moab to Boaz so they can find rest? The issue in this day is, how, do you, how does the Holy Ghost get sinners out of the state of sin of lostness to the Lord Jesus so they can find rest? In other words, what's the orderly arrangement for salvation? You say there is no order. That's what your trouble is now. You don't have a settled state. You don't approach the Son of God just anyway. Some folks are trying to approach Him in that easy believism of chapter number 1 we saw. Just to say, I believe in God. That's not good enough, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to believe in the Redeemer. You've got to believe in being purchased. You've got to believe in the blood. But oh, here in... Ruth is, she's not settled. She can't be settled while she's a stranger. She's still a father. She is not at home in Bethlehem because Bethlehem is not her home. Her Bethlehem can't be her home until she becomes the bride of Boaz. And I say to you, there is no salvation until you personally, in faith and believing, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then you enter a settled rest. But folks, God has a way. He has an orderly arrangement for approaching the Son of God. Now, I want to say something to you very carefully. Everything I've preached thus far deals with attitudes. The first attitude of chapter 1 that you see is Naomi, or the Holy Spirit as we would say, bringing room for a sinner out of Moab or out of sin. Chapter number 2, the person, Ruth, in the field, taking the position God had given in the law, cooperating with the law, taking the position of where grace could see her. In other words, what we say is, the Holy Ghost moves upon the sinner, shows him he's lost, and brings him and draws him to the Savior. When he comes to the Savior, he comes with a change of mind and under Holy Ghost conviction. In that Holy Ghost conviction, he's not only convicted about Moab, he will be convicted about Boaz. At this time, Ruth doesn't know about Boaz. She's learning. We closed yesterday's session with the revelation of Boaz. Naomi says, Boaz is the kinsman. He is the redeemer. Here's the revelation of who he is. Now Ruth wants to approach him. Naomi says to Ruth, I will pursue, I will seek after, I will desire for you a settled condition, Ruth. In other words, Ruth, you will find in Boaz that which you need in the Redeemer to settle you and establish you to where you have something beyond doubt. You say, you can't know you're saved beyond doubt. Yes, you can. Now, there is a difference between doubts and questions. Nothing wrong with questioning your salvation. Just because you question it doesn't mean you doubt it. It's like Rachel and I being married. You can come to me this morning and ask me if we're married and question that. And I can say, am I married? Because I question it doesn't mean I doubt it. 
The reason being, I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. You don't have rest when you have doubts. There's nothing wrong with examining your salvation, tear it apart. In fact, in these counties, you will tear it apart. You will examine it. Did you know examination doesn't make you doubt your salvation, it settles you? If you have it. If there's anything there, you have something to settle into. Settle means established on a foundation. And a person who is not established is not settled. Doesn't have any rest. The Holy Ghost wants you to have rest. And when you get saved, you will have rest. I remember after I got saved, Man, I, I went to church the first four or five Sundays I went to church. Brother Ray, we give testimony time. I was the first one up every time. Every time. I said the same thing. I put my hand on my chair. It's like doing a salute. I'd say, folks, I got a feeling I don't feel. For the first time in my life, I have rest. Do you know what rest is? It's a finished operation. The seventh day, God rested, not because he was tired, but because he was through. You know what rest is? Rest is like someone else building a house for you. You enter an inn, inspecting it, and can't find one thing wrong with it, and sit down in the chair and say, it's finished. Then you can look over the boards and framework. Can't find anything wrong with that. Rest. Oh, Naomi says, Ruth, I want to find a settled state for you, abiding place, an established place, to where you can just look around and say, it's finished, it's over, I belong in this place, this place is mine, I'm not upset and I'm not bothered, I can't add anything to it and I can't take anything away from it. When you believe, you've entered into rest. You say, but you mean to tell me Ruth's going to have a faith and, and a believing? You're exactly right in this chapter right here. She's going to believe in the same way that you believe. Except she's believing unto redemption when you're believing until redemption passed that was worked for you by the Lord Jesus Christ. This redemption for Ruth has not been worked yet. It's worked in the last chapter. And as I told you before, there is a difference in being a servant in Boaz's field and being the bride of Boaz in chapter number 4. And what makes you a child of God is not because you serve God or what you do. It's what the Redeemer does for you in a finished work of grace by Him. And when you believe in His work and His salvation, you can't find anything wrong with it whatsoever. And there's rest in what He does. Rest is not in Ruth, it's in Boaz. In what Boaz works, what Boaz finishes, she believes and can't find anything wrong with, and when she can't find anything wrong with the house Boaz builds, she has rest. Woo! You folks still with me all right? Thank you, I like that phrase. Tell me again to come on with it, brother. Oh, 
Kalau dia Slim Amin There are more ways to work it one handed than you think Alright let's look at the orderly arrangement now That's the beginning of verse number 2 The orderly approach Naomi is fixing to tell Ruth how to approach Boaz. Look at Naomi's instructions. Telling Ruth how to approach him. Now some folks are not settled on the right order as to how to get to the Lord. But I'm going to put it briefly like Paul. It's repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as simple as you can make it. We saw Ruth change the mind in Moab. She changed the mind about the country. Changed the mind about the people. Changed the mind about herself. And she left Moab. Went into Boaz's field. And there she's changing her mind about Boaz. Now she wants to know how to approach Boaz. And I say to you, that's still how do you get to the Lord Jesus. Repentance toward God. And faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an order. There is an order. Now Naomi prepares Ruth for Boaz. Who prepared you to approach Jesus? Holy Ghost did, didn't he? I feel sorry for these folks who don't believe in the Holy Ghost. Or these people who won't depend on the Holy Ghost. Who try to deny the person of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said when he has come, speaking of the Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. If it were not for the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't have the instructions about Jesus. You wouldn't know how to approach Jesus. You wouldn't know how to get to Jesus. You wouldn't be any more than a Moabite. And Ruth was a Moabite. She didn't know how to get to the Redeemer. She knew nothing about redemption. She had no idea how to approach him. Naomi had the instructor. Thank God the Holy Ghost is the one who told me about Jesus, instructed me about Jesus, told me what it took to get to Jesus, and he did a good job because I got to him. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God, I tell you, I like that person. Verse number two, and, and as not Boaz our kindred, who's with whose maidens thou wast. Oh, I like that too. Just because you was with the maidens and the church members didn't make you the bride. You can rub shoulders with the servants and the maidens. But just because you rubbed shoulders and worked in the same field didn't make you the bride. And Naomi said, Behold, behold, he winneth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Now, notice in the outline, Naomi tells Ruth what she must do. Now, if you can put that in the New Testament terms and repentance and approval of how to approach him, you'll understand. But here still, she's getting Ruth to Boaz, so Boaz can redeem her. Prior to this, she's been working in the field as a gleaner. The word glean doesn't appear anymore after chapter number 2. No longer is she in the place where the poor folks were and where the strangers were. No longer is she down in the field. Now, it's like faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's leading her to Boaz. Directing her Boaz. Guiding her to Boaz. So here's the instruction. Here's the order laid down by Naomi. Let me say very carefully. 
if Ruth gets to Boaz, it'll be under the leadership and guidance and direction of Naomi and no other way. And if you get to the Lord Jesus, it'll be under the leadership and guidance and direction of the Holy Ghost. There's no other way to get to Jesus except through the Spirit of God. I know you know that. But she didn't know it at the time. I remember a time when I didn't know that. I didn't know what the order was. I thought it was church membership. Making a profession of faith, shaking the hand, you believe in God, you're all right. Until one day, the Holy Ghost instructed me differently. When the Holy Ghost set the order down, hey, it showed me I was lost and I took my position. I would listen to the Holy Ghost. I tell you when you listen to Him, when you find you're a stranger and a foreigner in the land of bread. When you'll find you're not an Israelite, you're still Moabitess. When you'll find you're not a wife of Boaz, you're still a foreigner. You're still an enemy of God. You're still cut off. You'll do anything then that the Holy Ghost says. But here Naomi instructs Ruth how to get there. Wash thyself in verse number 3. Anoint thee in verse 3. Put thy raiment upon thee. Go to where Boaz is, in verse 3. Make thyself known to Boaz at the right time, in verse 3. Mark the place where Boaz lies. Thou shalt go in, uncover his feet, and lay thee down. Now you say, what is all this saying? It's saying, Ruth was going to Boaz, Naomi's way. I want to ask you, how are you going to Jesus? Your way or the Holy Ghost way? You can go your way without coming out of Moab. Or you can come out of Moab and still have Moab in your heart. You know what we're facing now? Sinners coming to altars who still have Moab in their heart. We call it pluralism. Wanting the best of both worlds. You want the world. You want Moab and its pleasures and its possessions and your personal plans. Yet at the same time, you want Boaz to be your redeemer. I've got news for you. That can't happen. Not the Holy Ghost way. I want to say something else. You don't have to list your sins or list what you're coming out of when God saves you. You don't have to list all what I've listed. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that when a sinner yields down and gets at his feet, laid at his feet, he's saved. I want you more than anybody or anything in the world. You don't even have to deal with him about repentance. He's already in an attitude of repentance. You say, what are I doing about, about believing? When you done laid it all down. <laughs> oh, you're going to get into the promises here. Promises of Boaz. But look at the position of Ruth. <laughs> oh, do I remember this. Oh, Ruth been a Moabite woman. Would have no idea how to approach Boaz. This is in your outline. To approach Boaz properly, Ruth must have Naomi instructor. 
Ruth doesn't know the laws that govern redemption. She just does what Naomi tells her. He says, I can't keep all this order straight. You don't have to. Naomi does that. <laughs> if you'll just do what the Holy Ghost says, he'll have worked in you what's necessary the time you get to Boaz. Verse 5, and she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Now, whatever you say, Naomi, I'm going to do. <laughs> what an attitude. No rebellion. No contrary spirit. No, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. No, just whatever you tell me to do, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Well, if you told me, Naomi, you told me down in Moab... To leave Moab to go with you. I got to leave my mother's house and my relatives, and I did that. <laughs> I left the possibility of getting a Moabite husband. I did that. And I went with you, Naomi, to Bethlehem. And Naomi, I took my position that you told me about a gleaner. Well, the strangers saw. I did that too. Yeah, I know what I am. I'm a stranger and a Moabitist. I'm a foreigner and an alien. I know all of that. And now, you're telling me how to approach Boaz. <laughs> Whew, she told her how to get out of Moab. Now she's telling her how to get to Boaz. See, the Holy Ghost not only proves your sin and works a change of mind about Moab or about sin, he also works a change of mind about Boaz and shows you how to get to it. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the reason I did everything that the Holy Ghost told me to do at the time. I didn't know how to believe. I know how to trust. I didn't know how to get to where there wasn't anything but faith. I'm still working at it. She's still working too. And salvation is not in what you do and the works you perform. It's what, it, it's what he does and your faith in what he performs. You believe that, don't you? Sure you do. But here she's still working. She ain't got to a place of faith yet. You say, but she's got faith. I told you without faith it's impossible to please him, but her faith is in God. She doesn't know faith in the Redeemer yet. She's fixing to have it. She's fixing to express it. But now she's going along in what light's given to her by Naomi and Naomi is truthful and honest and dependable and Naomi knew how to get to Boaz. That's the reason the Holy Ghost knows all about the Redeemer. He knows all about redemption and he knows how to get sinners to Jesus. But I got news for you. He doesn't have but one way to get them there. He will not compromise just to get you there. You're not going one way and me another. The circumstances will be different. 
but the principles will remain the same. You'll come the way of the truth, or you won't come at all. But if you go along with the Holy Ghost, He knows how to do it. You say, well, I don't know how to get saved. Just do whatever the Holy Ghost tells you to do. <laughs> and it'll work. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. What a time to have a broken arm, Brother David. <sighs> Y'all pray for me. I want to run around so bad. <laughs> but I, I, I stumbled yesterday. My wife almost had heart failure. Now she still remembers that month when they were both bound up and she had to do everything for me. And if I failed, she might not do it again. <laughs> oh, but look, look, look at verse, look at number three under number A. Naomi persuades Ruth concerning Boaz's word. Oh, did you see? Did you see what she said in verse number four? And he will test, tell thee what thou shalt do. You know what the Holy Ghost says. He confirms the word of the Lord Jesus. Naomi confirmed the word of Boaz. Nothing blesses me anymore than when the Holy Ghost confirms the word of God in this blessed book. In other words, Naomi says, Boaz will tell you what to do. You can trust it. And it'll work. The Holy Ghost will tell you about the words of Jesus Christ. He'll confirm them. He'll exalt them. He'll establish them. He'll bear witness to them. And what he has to say will persuade you of faith in what Jesus Christ says. And when you have faith in what he says, that's believing. And believing will bring rest in the finished work of the Redeemer. Like I said, now we know this, but she didn't. She's still in her approach to Boaz. All right, now, we see Naomi's pursuit for Ruth. Let's look at Ruth's presentation of herself to Boaz. Verse number 6. And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Now, here's Ruth unquestioning obedience. She obeys without asking why. Ruth obeys by faith. One of the ways I can tell a person still not ready to get saved is still, he's still questioning God and asking why the cross and why the blood. From the time the Holy Ghost gets a person to the Savior, he doesn't question why he believes in the cross and in the blood of the Redeemer. She did according to the word of Naomi. Now look at Ruth's unconditional submission in verse number 7. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And that's unconditional submission. She'd gone as far as she could go, and that's all she could do except request something. Now look at the uninhibited request. You say, but I just can't ask him to save me. If you lay yourself down in submission, you don't mind asking him to save you. You don't have to beg sinners to ask the Lord once they lay themselves at His feet. Once you come and bow yourself before Him and yield before Him in repentance, you are uninhibited in requesting salvation. In fact, you'll request it if every counselor tells you it's all right, you're fine. You know whether you're fine or not. If God's convicted you of your sins, the Holy Ghost has brought you to the feet of the Savior. You've done all you can do and you just give up at His feet. You don't mind requesting of Him for Him to do something for you. 
Oh, but look at her inhibited request. Ruth requires of Boaz only what he's supposed to do. Verse number 9. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaiden. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. In other words, you are my redeemer. And here she is saying to him, I want you to do to me what you only are alone qualified to do. It's all up to you, she's saying. So she positionizes herself and she requests that this redeemer might redeem her, put the skirt over her, and do for her what she needs as a redeemer. What she's declaring is, I don't know what it takes to redeem me. You're the kinsman and you're redeemer, but whatever it is that's necessary for me to be yours, I want you to do it for me. That's exactly what faith is, is in the unconditional submission to the Lord and telling Him, I don't know what it takes, but whatever it takes, you do it. You know what she's going to do? She's going to put it into the hands of the Redeemer. And say, I can't do another thing. That's right. If you think salvation is by works or merits, you are sadly mistaken. Okay, let's look at it. I've got to get on and let somebody else preach in a minute. But let's look at Boaz's promise to Ruth. Verse number 10. Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning, inasmuch as thou fallest not young men, or poor or rich. Now, Boaz is pleased that Ruth wants him rather than others. Boaz blesses her for her gestures. In other words, she wants Boaz more than she wants any young man or anybody else. Remember, she could have gone back to Moab and had a husband in, in, among the Moabites. Now she doesn't want a husband among the Moabites. She wants to be the bride of Boaz. Hallelujah. Look at the promise of Boaz now on page 11. First thing Boaz does, he dispels Ruth's fear. Verse 11, and now my daughter, fear not. You say, I'm afraid he won't do it. Fear not. When you lay yourself at his feet, and ask him to do what he knows is necessary to redeem you, you can fear not. He's going to do it. I'm just afraid he won't do it for me. You're still asking him to do for you what you want your way. When you quit trying to help the Redeemer help you and save you, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Ruth only requires of Boaz what he can give. Ruth asks for what? Redemption. That's why when you go to the Savior, you just ask for salvation. That's all. That's all you want. Look at the persuasion of Boaz. Verse 15. Bring the veil that thou hast given thee and, beho- and hold it. When she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. Now, the full veil is assurance of his intention. It is the producer of faith. It defies unbelief. The full veil abolishes doubt and strengthens faith. In other words, here was assurance from the promise, and here was evidence in her hands. I'll do it. You say, what was this going to do? For Ruth, it was going to give her assurance when the Redeemer wasn't around. 
Now, our Redeemer's already died. He's paid, paid the price. We know all of that. At this occasion, she didn't know anything about redemption. But she knew Boaz did. She only says, you do whatever was necessary for the Redeemer to do. And give to me what you work and what you provide. I'm going to lay myself at your feet. And he tells her, I will do it. In fact, look back up at verse number 11. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. How bet there is a kinsman nearer than I? Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning. If he will perform unto thee the part of the kinsman, well. Let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord leaveth, lie down until the morning. Now I'm going to deal with him later about the law in the last chapter, that first kinsman. But what you've got to see is this, that she was a virtuous woman. But ladies and gentlemen, virtue is a far cry from redemption. I'm going to say something very carefully. Ruth was a virtuous woman, but she was still a stranger and a foreigner. Positionally, she was still separated from God. What makes you lost is not whether you've done good or bad, but the position you're in and the condition you have before God. You're still separated from God. What made her what she was and what she was her was her relationship to Boaz. And let me say something to you. I don't care how good you live or how virtuous you think you are. If you still don't belong to Boaz, you're not in the family of God. You can be good, try to live good, try to live right, and still be separated from God. The law declares you guilty. The law condemns you. And it's your relationship to Jesus Christ and His redemption that's important. But she was a virtuous woman. And Boaz knew everything about her. Well, being virtuous didn't make her an Israelite and didn't make her Boaz's wife. And I say this, this to you very carefully. Nothing's going to make Ruth Boaz's wife except what Boaz does in chapter number 4. And there's nothing going to make you a child of God except what Jesus Christ did through his precious blood. It doesn't make any difference if you're in Moab and a foreigner like Ruth or you're in the field or you're at his feet. Nothing's going to make you Boaz's until you come through the purchase that he provides. Is that right? We know that, don't we? Do you believe in the blood, folks? Well, it's time to magnify the blood and redemption by the blood in no other way. If you settle for less than anything in chapter 4 for salvation, you can settle for something other than the redemption of the Redeemer. Uh, those who say that Ruth was saved as what we call saved in chapter 1, but if that's true, then Boaz and her relationship is nil. You see, the Bible says Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But he still had to be slain on Calvary cross, Calvary's cross in due time. And you rest in Boaz, 
and you believe in Boaz, and you sit still till you hear, you have the knowledge of, you're acquainted with a finished work. That's a no-so salvation if you won't know what that is. She said, sit still till you know something. (laughs) And did you know the tidings of knowing something were going to come from Boaz and not from her? He said, how you know? You saved. He told me. Yeah, he brought the tidings to me. He said, what were you doing sitting still in Boaz's house? I mean, Ruth, Naomi's house. And I wasn't sitting waiting like she was. I remember my home, 241 Bryan Street, Tupelo, Mississippi. When I came to stand still, as far as I could go, done all I could do, Tried to help him save me and everything. Nothing worked. But when I laid at his feet, quit my trying, and said, do for me what you alone can do. I required it. Just like she did. I required old-fashioned Holy Ghost salvation. I want something redemption has bought. Give me something the Redeemer has given. And when I stood still, hallelujah, Oh, the truth came thanking. I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. The tidings came. I'd been accepted. He'd been accepted, and I was accepted in him. And that's when you sit still. Listen, you sit still, she said, until you know. And then once you know, it's impossible to sit still. Woo! Somebody says, but wait, wait, nothing. It's over. It's over. It's done. That's when it's done so quick when you get to Naomi's house because it's already been done by the Redeemer. See, if you ever get to the place of faith, you don't have to figure it out. Just enter in. That's right. Just believe. You say, I sound like a piece of believism. It is. At the end of repentance. Hey! It is. When you boys his feet. And now his house, he done been through the field and come out of Moab. You say, what does that say? Attitude. Attitude one day, the Holy Ghost of Jesus lost. You said, yes, I take my position. I take my place as a leader. Position God declared. Yes, I'm a stranger, separated from God. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then you followed the instructions of the Holy Ghost right there in that same service. And you said the word, everything he's borne witness to, that hand in the parched grain, everything he bore witness to, man, there's something real in that. There's something satisfies in that, and I hadn't got it. But said, I want whatever he's got. I don't want to just be a servant out here in the field. Make me a bride. And so when you get to chapter 3, she wants to be the bride. That's just like you. You want to be the, the, the sinner saved by grace. Oh, no longer do you want to be a servant. Not longer what you do, but what's been done. And that's when the Holy Ghost falls on you shows you're lost. And you get to that old-fashioned altar. And by the time you get there, you, you can work and try all you want to. But when you enter into Naomi's house, that's when you just say, Done all I can do, Lord. Can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe what you said you did for me. Thank you. And it's over. And what Naomi said at the beginning of that chapter is true. She found an abiding place. A settled place. But Naomi's house is not settled and Ruth's not settled till chapter 4 is complete. Now like I said, we know it. 
We don't have to wait like she did in Naomi's house. The Savior's already done. The work of redemption and finished it. But Ruth sat expectantly in Naomi's house to see if Boaz was going to redeem her. But it was a place of hope, ladies and gentlemen, not a place of doubt. When you're in a house of doubt, it's not Naomi's house. When you're in a position the Holy Ghost brings you to be saved, you're not in a place of doubt. You're in a place of hope. He will do it. He said He would. I got confidence in Him. He gave me His promise. He put some grain in my veil. Yeah, I know He will. He said He would. Holy Ghost bore witness that whatever He tells you to do, you do, and it'll work. That's the attitude of believing. Not in yourself, not in works, your merits, but when you rest and trust and believe, not yourself, but Jesus Christ, there's salvation in the finished work of redemption. Let me say this, tomorrow the Lord willing, we're going to deal with the last. And that's Ruth and Boaz's family. I want to say something to some of you that's lost right here. Have you ever found what real salvation is? Have you ever had the Holy Ghost bring you out of Moab and get you on the way to Judah? You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm just saying, have you ever had the Holy Spirit Take the Word of God the preacher preached. Or the Word of God that was born witness in your heart by a witness or a, or a preacher or anyone. And the Holy Spirit of God showed you you was lost. And you said, I want Jesus more than I want Moab. It's people, it's pleasures, and it's possessions. It was an attitude. You didn't have to list the sins. You didn't have to go up and down them. Just an attitude. Yes, I'm lost. you ever reached that place of an attitude that just said, I can't do it. I'm going to quit my trying. And I'm going to rest in Boaz. I'm going to rest in the Redeemer. I'm going to rest in Jesus. I'm going to trust what He did at the cross for me. You say, but the cross never been important to me. I want to ask you a question. How important was what Boaz did in chapter 4 to Ruth while she's still in chapter 3? Could she have become Boaz's if it hadn't been for Boaz purchasing her in chapter 4? No. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You say, but preach, that's not precious. It is when you've got sins of Moab. When I get to that chapter 4, there's nothing can relieve a guilty conscience and sins that have marred you but the precious blood of Jesus. And the greatest tidings you've ever heard, the greatest news you've ever received was redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you receive those tidings, I guarantee you there's no way you can sit still in because the rest you have is not in you. It's in Him. When you have what He provides, you can look it over and examine it and question it all you want to. 
It'll stand every test you can put to it. Mother Jim. Yeah.